Quick. I want you to think of the most beautiful person you know. Are you ready? Something appropriate for us as a message. Um, and the only song I can really kind of think of. Howdy, hi, friends, and welcome to episode 42. I'm Carissa, and this is Beauty Unlocked. Welcome, friends. So the past few weeks have been plagued by some major, and I mean major, energies. And many, myself included, have been trying to navigate said energies. Let me tell you, it's been one hell of a ride. (laughs) And I hope you're all okay and know that you are not alone. And also remember that today is Friday, thankfully. We've made it through another week. So I have quite the episode for you this week. I feel like I'm on constant repeat because I'm always saying, I have quite the episode this week. But it's true. Every week I have really an insightful episode. So, you know. (laughs) But before we get into this week's thought-provoking episode. I'm trying to think of other adjectives rather than interesting. (laughs) But either way, doesn't matter. Before we get into this eye-opening episode, insightful episode, we have a bit of spring cleaning to do. So first off, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode where we looked at an article um, entitled Seven Ways the Beauty Industry Convinced Women That They Weren't Good Enough. And as I mentioned on the show, I had a little surprise for that. And I uploaded, finally managed to up- record, edit, and upload the YouTube video uh, of me reading that article and having reactions from it. And that's, you can find it on the YouTube channel. So give us a follow on YouTube, uh, Beauty Unlock the Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Beauty underscore Unlocked underscore Podcast. We are upping our game and creating some more visually enticing posts and stories. So check that out. And you can also join the Facebook page, Beauty Unlock the Podcast. In all honesty, wherever you type, you can Google search it. We are everywhere. Um... You know, so give us a follow, subscribe, and join the Beauty Unlocked social media family. And last, but certainly not least, another way that you can support the show is heading over to Apple Podcasts, that purple icon, and leaving us a five-star review. And it really does help the show climb up the charts and others will join the Beauty Unlocked family. With all that being said, regarding today's topic, as you know, I research. I'm always on my computer, on my phone. It seems like I'm always on social media, but I'm not. I'm actually researching. That sounds weird to research social media. No, but I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my computer looking for topics. And I came across this term so many times that I was just like, It can't be a coincidence. I need to dig further, delve further into it. And we're going to be talking about decolonizing beauty. Now, the term that I came across was decolonizing your beauty routine, decolonizing beauty. And I was just like, I'm intrigued. I want to know. 
all about this. And that's why in the beginning, I asked you, quick, think of the most beautiful person that you know of. Now, to make it clear, this person doesn't mean the person that you thought of. It doesn't mean that it has to be somebody that you know, such as your partner or your mom or your sister or someone. You know, it could be anyone. It could be a celebrity. It could be someone that you personally know. But I wanted you to think quickly. First name that came into your head. The next question I want to ask you is, do you believe that this person is beautiful based on looks itself or is it? because of their character and personality. So whatever your answer might have been, I want you to keep those answers in mind throughout the whole episode. So as I scoured the internet, I came across countless articles, and I'm just going to cite two. Um, One of them is the, uh, one of the articles I found was on NPR and it's a great web- website and it's um, on their section of Ask the Code Switch and the article is entitled Is Beauty in the Eyes of the Colonizer? Um, I love this website There's and there's also a podcast um, so I will, of course, as always, link, put the website links into the show notes so you can all have a look but this website's really really good they have some really insightful like articles on there they have some great news so it's really worth checking out and they also have shows and podcasts the other one uh that i referenced was wingluke.org um and it talks about decolonize well hashtag decolonize beauty uh, and it's also a great website, which I will be posting the link in show in the show notes. And I will be posting the articles onto the Facebook page. So another reason why you should join the Facebook page. So before going on to the main uh, article that I found on NPR, we're going to see what hashtag decolonize beauty means. And according to wingloop.org, Uh, Hashtag decolonize beauty is a decentralized social movement to deconstruct, reframe, and redefine our complicated relationship with beauty. So why hashtag decolonize beauty? We are bombarded by idealized images of beauty every waking minute of the day. In the media we consume, the advertisements we receive, and the interactions we have with others. We are continuously exposed to messages that tell us what we should look like and what we should aspire to be. That beauty equals worth. But how often do we step back to consider who defines the standards and ideals we are held to? Our perception of beauty is both a reflection and imitation of the standards set by the dominant culture. We subscribe to the idea that beauty can be normalized and that if we do not fall within the narrow margins of beauty defined, we are judged less than. Over time, the pressure to be beautiful as defined by the Western eye compels us to reach farther and further towards unrealistic, unattainable expectations. So jumping to the article on NPR, uh, Is Beauty in the Eyes of the Colonizer, written by Leah Donella back in February 2019. Um, There are a million different reasons we find certain people beautiful, but there's no denying that a lot of current beauty standards in the U.S. and pretty much around the world are based on a particular type of beauty, 
one that centers a type of white femininity that's only accessible to a select few. So um, on Ask Code Switch, they're answering a question from Cecilia Fernandez um, from Michigan. And she tweeted, uh, Cecilia, besides the natural hair movement, what other ways have women of color gone to decolonize their beauty routine? Uh, Leah answers, Cecilia, this is a great, a really great question. As someone who has spent years flat ironing my curls and suffering through uh, orthodontia, Uh, I was also quite curious about this. So Leah goes on to say, so to begin, let's talk about what it means when we say our notions of beauty are colonized. So think about why. And when when I asked you that question in the beginning um, and subsequent questions after, think about why uh, that person is beautiful. Is it because of their perfectly white teeth, their thick, shiny hair? The fact that their features conform perfectly to Western beauty norms. And we've mentioned these beauty norms throughout this podcast. To begin with, a lot of current Western beauty standards celebrate whiteness. Not some objective, biological, evolutionary thing, but literally just being a white person. In fact, if you go back and look at the work of some early racial theorists... People like Christoph Miners and Johann Blumenbach, they define the category of white or Caucasian as being the most beautiful of the races. (laughs) It was important for those racial theorists to be superior in all areas. And this is what Nell Irvin Painter, an artist and historian who wrote The History of White People, says. She says the group of academics who first created these racial categories were white supremacists. So they not only wanted the people they called their women to be the most beautiful and their men to be the most virile. They wanted their countries to have the best politics. So they wanted to have everything better. And that included beauty. That association between beauty and whiteness has proved hard to shake. There's a reason that so many people still think of an all-American beauty as a thin, blonde, blue-eyed white woman. It wasn't until 1940 that the rules were changed to allow women of color to enter the Miss American pageant. Before that, the official rules stated that contestants had to be of good health and of the white race. Decisions about who society holds up as beautiful also have a lot to do with class, uh, points out Nell Irvin Painter. Um... And a lot of, of the things we consider beautiful are actually just proxies of wealth. Think of how much it costs to get cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery, braces, or even a facial. Now, Leah says it's worth noting that there's a fair amount of overlap between beauty routines and health or grooming routines. People brush their teeth to prevent cavities, sure, but so many toothpastes also have whitening products. And you could be blow-drying your hair to get it dry or to make sure it's shiny and voluminous. In this context, we're thinking of the purely aesthetic parts of a routine, not ones that have to do with health functionality or hygiene. So, how do you push back against all that? A lot of people talk about the importance of buying makeup or fashion design by women of color. But throughout history, a lot of the most effective movements have been about expanding our ideas of what it means to be beautiful. So we're going back to the natural hair movement. 
That came um, out of the broader Black is Beautiful movement in the 60s and 70s. That movement, which came in the midst of the broader Black power and civil rights movements, was about affirming aspects of Blackness that had been considered ugly by white colonial standards. Organizers of the movement started to embrace the political power behind the idea that all aspects of Blackness were beautiful. Nell Painter says the movement had a huge effect on both her and her family. She says she didn't start to think of herself as beautiful until she was in her 30s, around the time Black is Beautiful sprung up. A similar thing happened to her mother, who was born in 1917. And Nell Painter says, My mother was very beautiful, but my mother was dark-skinned, so she never thought of herself as beautiful. For black people, the idea of black as beautiful, that was a real breakthrough. And so my mother emerged as a beautiful person, and people told her she was beautiful, and it took her a long time to accept that. I don't know if she ever really did. There are other movements that have tried to address beauty as a political force. There was the Indigenismo movement in Mexico, and one of its icons was the artist Frida Kahlo. In her self-portrait, she painted herself dressed in pre-Columbian clothes and hairstyles with visible facial hair and hair between her eyebrows. Many have described those artistic choices as being a radical rejection of white colonial, colonial excuse me, beauty standards. When I was living in Mexico back in the late um, 90s, we actually visited uh, Frida Kahlo's house in Coyoacan in Mexico City, uh, where she initially lived there like with her family and then later on with Diego Rivera. But um, and, and her paintings, I don't remember what class it was for. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was art class. We did um, study a lot of her paintings and she's very well known for the vibrant colors that she uses, a lot of the portraits, self-portraits, um, and they're quite poignant as paintings. So I'm not sure if you're not familiar with her artwork, um, you should definitely check her out. She's, uh, she's one of my top 10 favorite artists actually so going back to the article uh it it says and these days a lot of women push back on the idea that they should remove facial and body hair in order to be considered beautiful or hygienic or professional the activist and model harnam kaur has spoken about how her life changed changed once she decided to stop shaving her beard i feel a lot stronger and liberated to be who i am and accept who i am freely I'm here as a woman who's wearing something that's supposed to be, in quotations, supposed to be a man's feature. The body positivity movement and the fat acceptance movements have also constantly pushed back on the idea that thin, young, white, able-bodied women are the epitome of beauty, or that beauty should be a precondition for respect to begin with. One thing to keep in mind is that beauty is a facet of power. Being considered beautiful can help you gain access to certain spaces or increase your power in certain settings. By the same token, a perceived lack of beauty or a refusal or inability to conform to certain beauty standards also has really tangible consequences. It's one of the things that I keep on, on saying, um, and I've, I've said it both on my personal Instagram page and Beauty Unlocked, is society tells you to be yourself. However, you know, just be yourself. And when you are yourself, you have society who says, no, 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 not like that. It's like you have to fit into this box. And it's just like, God forbid that we don't 
want to fit in this box? And why should there be a box in the first place? <sighs> On with the article. Noliwi Rooks is a professor at Cornell University who teaches about the politics of race and beauty. She says that women are placed in different categories depending on how they appear in the world, and that attempts to decolonize one's beauty routine often lead to pushback from the outside world, especially for black and brown people. She cited um, Hampton University in Virginia as an example. The historically black institution made news back in 2012 for a policy in the business school that said male students couldn't have dreadlocks because they were considered unprofessional. Rook says, if you're someone who feels like for body positivity and self-affirmation and adornment, this is what I'm going to do. I want dreadlocks. Yes, you can do that. You can decolonize that look in the way that you feel is important to you. But you can't go to school like that. Until recently, you couldn't serve in the military. There's all manner of corporate jobs that if you're decolonizing your body, you can't have. And going back to this about dreadlocks, uh, it was about, I remember this two, wait, yes, two years ago, back in 2019, California became the first state to outlaw racial discrimination based on hairstyle. And I'm going to read really quickly in the Los Angeles Times, what this um, was. So Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday signed a bill into law that legally protects people in workplaces and kindergarten to 12 public schools from discrimination based on their natural hair. The new law, um, which takes effect January the 1st, prohibits the enforcement of grooming policies that disproportionately affects people of color, particularly black people. This includes bans on certain styles such as Afro uh, afros, braids, twists, cornrows, dreadlocks, or locks for short. I'll be posting the link to this article in the Los Angeles Times so you can also read um, up about it and how it came to be. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show you just two years ago, California was the first state to sign a bill um, that legally protects people in workplaces. I just can't believe that we're in the 21st century and this this is what's happening. Like, what 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 is this? I just, I cannot... I'm trying not to go into my rants and raves because what in the actual fuck? Seriously. It's just, I just, I can't that countries and just states and just still uphold and maintain white supremacist beliefs in the fucking 21st century is beyond me. Okay. I have not calmed my tits down. They will never be calmed down. They will keep on flapping about in rage and disbelief. But we're going back to the article. Keep in mind, Rook says, that fighting against beauty norms is probably going to be really hard. Obese women, old women, queer women, women of color, and all the intersections get particularly scrutinized even when they're trying to conform to beauty norms, let alone when they push back against them. We can live in a world where we try to do battle with those overarching narratives, Rooks adds, but the forces pushing back against it in many parts of the world it's quite a headwind. When we're talking about personal beauty, having a beauty routine at all means that you are, consciously or unconsciously, accepting the idea that you need to change. The way your hair falls or the shyness of your skin or the curl of your eyelashes, it will be more beautiful if you spend time and money to make it different. So back to the question at hand. 
How do you decolonize the idea that your natural self isn't adequate? You could argue that a profound way to decolonize your beauty routine would be to have none and simply say my body and face are valuable and beautiful without modification. The other really radical thing could be to try to reject personal beauty as a measure of worth. Many have argued that beauty should not be a prerequisite, as it is so often, for being treated with respect, kindness, or personal autonomy. Any way you go about it, the process of decolonizing your beauty routine is probably going to result in a lot of people being uncomfortable with your appearance. They can go fuck themselves. You are not here to make people fucking comfortable. But anyway, it's also the only way beauty norms have a chance of changing. So you have to know your politics. And this is where not only is the article asking, but I'm asking this of you too. What are you trying to say with your beauty routine? And what ugly truths are you willing to deal with? So going back to the first um, article and website that I mentioned, it's called Wing Luke Museum of the Asian Pacific American Experience, wingluke.org, where um, I mentioned the hashtag decolonized beauty. What's great about this website is that they have exhibits, they have programs, um, education, you can become a member, you can also make a donation. But the this part of their website is, um, it's an open conversation for anyone to share their stories and reflections of how Western standards have affected their lives. Now, um, it's great because they also have uh, YouTube videos, uh, some really good um, YouTube videos. And like I said, I'll be posting the link up so you can also have a look but in the article it says um, how do we hashtag decolonize beauty and on the website it says when we stop to acknowledge the external forces that have shaped our internal definitions of desirability we start to unpack how deeply ingrained these expectations have become as we develop our understanding of cultural norms and their origins, we deepen our compassion for ourselves and others. And uh, on the website, it continues to say, through the process of sharing our individual stories and vulnerability, we support one another and begin to reclaim a stronger sense of self-worth and self-love. So they say, like, why participate? Beauty standards affect people of all races, sexes, genders, colors, ages, abilities, and all body types. Uh, body types, sorry. It touches themes of, but not limited to, colorism, ableism, ageism, sexism, and racism. By sharing our stories, we uncover and unpack the difficult and often painful realities and lived experiences that result from our conditioned obsession with idealized beauty. So you can also, um, well, you can also join the conversation. You can participate in many different ways. Um, and it says on the website that ultimately it's your personal choice. You can either just read others' stories or you can share your own. Um, you can start by having conversation with a friend or maybe have a moment of personal contemplation. So it's a really great website and I will be posting it again for the fifth time. I'm saying it maybe the fourth, fifth time that I will be posting the link so you can have a look at it. Um, but if you feel like you can share uh, your your story, then please do so as it helps others. And it can also help you release a lot as well. 
So with regards to the topic of decolonizing your beauty or your beauty routine, there's just there were so many articles. And if you've noticed, I'm trying to keep the episodes much shorter than before because I don't want to bombard you with too much information. So as I found so many other articles, I'll be revisiting, sorry, revisiting. Ooh, where did that come from? <laughs> revisiting this topic um, and taking it section by section because there's, there's just so much. And it really, um, I'm hoping with all this that I'm bringing, it, it gives you a moment to really think and see things from a different point of view, from many different points of view, um, from these articles that I'm bringing to you. With all that being said, I know it was a lot, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. And you can always reach out to me uh, via social media or our email, beautyunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. Always open to have a conversation. So hit me up on social media and we can like delve deeper and talk more about all of this. (laughs) With all that being said, I do hope you have a wonderful weekend, a safe weekend. And remember... To love each other, love yourselves, spread some of that sweet, sweet love because we need more of that in this world. You will hear from me very, very soon. Take care. Bye. Wow.